the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If you haven't heard the show before, welcome. You know, and this show is in a couple of parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate. In today's world, that's very important to try to avoid probate. And as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show... We talk about, you know, politics, history, religion, charitable giving. And the second part of the show today, we're going to be talking to an old friend of the show who's been on more than a few times, Gabriel DeMonico. And and he runs A Chance for Life, which is a charitable organization which takes care of orphans all over the world. But they're opening up a mission now in Staten Island. So we'll be talking to Gabe about that. Now, with me right now, we have my wife, Beth, in the background. Hey, everybody. My son, Michael, on the controls. Hello, everyone. Otto's not here today. No, he's in the house. But we do have one of the attorneys in our office, Rose L.J., with us. Welcome to the show, Rose. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. So let's get into it first. Now, if we, you know, we take email questions. And, Rose, you have one question. Can you, can you read the question for us, please? Sure. This is from Tim in Flatbush. He wrote, My sister died yesterday, and I am executor. The bank won't let me close out the account without a letter, and they told me to get an attorney to get the letter. If I'm executor, why can't I get the money? Can you please write the letter so I can get the money? Yeah, and that that's one of the, the common misconceptions, and I don't know why banks always do this, but they say, oh, you need letters testamentary or letters of administration uh, to close out the account. Go to a lawyer to get it. It's like the lawyer can't just write the letter. When somebody says we need letters testamentary or need letters of administration, that means that the asset was in the decedent's name alone. In this case, Tim, I guess it was your sister. So it was in her name alone. So in other words, to collect assets that are in a person's name alone when they're deceased, we have to go through the court. Right now, that is very bad. It's not like we can just write a letter. Letters testamentary means that the will has to be filed in court. Everybody who's a next of kin by law has to be officially notified. And... One of the bad parts about that is that anybody who's next of kin can may not consent to the will, or they may worse object to the will 
and it could take years to be able to collect those assets. A lot of people are under the misconception if you have a will, you're an executor under the will, you can collect the assets right away. That's not true. If when you pass away their assets in your name alone, let's say this bank account, you have to go to court to collect it. And it's not always easy to collect it. Even in the old days, if you were an only sibling, there were no uh, other brothers or sisters, no children, no spouse, uh, assuming your parents are gone, and still be red tape and paperwork. But you, you could reasonably collect that asset with the will within, within a couple of months. But right now, the way the system works, you could have everybody consenting, and it could take literally a year to collect that asset right now because of COVID. Everything is on like semi-shutdown. It's not completely closed, but it's pretty close to being closed. And if it's Brooklyn, you know, you're going to have you put the papers in. It goes into a box. Hopefully somebody takes a look at it. But things are slow right now. It's just a situation. It's just COVID. So you may have a long wait. And I'm, I'm saying this to those people that are outside looking in right now. Let's say you're doing your planning. You say, well, I don't have to worry about this bank account because I have a will. A will is not automatic, and I say this all the time. A will has to go to court and be approved by a judge before it can transfer assets. And to do that, that's a court proceeding. Everybody who's the next of kin has to be officially notified, and if they don't consent to the will, it could take a while. And if, worse, if somebody contests the will, objects to the will, it could take, and, and I don't mean to say forever, but next to forever to collect those assets. So I'm, I'm sorry, Tim, you, you know, it's hard to say your sister should have planned things better. You may want to double check with the bank, make sure there's not a beneficiary on that account just before we start going through probate. But if when you pass away, if any person passes away, they have assets in their name alone, then you need to go to court to collect those assets. Now, there might be some exceptions if it's a small amount and depending on who paid the funeral bill, we might be able to collect those assets outside of going through court. So if you want to give us a call on that, you're more than welcome to do it and schedule an appointment. No matter what, though, we would need a death certificate. And right now, death certificates are not coming in as quickly as we want. But even so, you know, we might be able to, if, if it's a small account, and depending on the size of the funeral bill, we might be able to go outside of court and collect the account through the bank. But I'm sorry, there's no quick way, you know, ar around that. And this is what I, uh, what I say at seminars all the time, is that it's not that easy you know, just because you have a will does not avoid probate. A will by its nature has to go to, through probate, through court to be effective. And, you know, by the way, Michael, where does somebody email us a question? If you want to get in touch with the Ask the Lawyer show, then just email us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Okay, now, Rose, um, let, let me ask you a question. What's your background before joining Connors and Sullivan? How long have you been an attorney? Um, I graduated from Georgetown Law in 1995, so I've been in the area of trust and estates both as a, an attorney and as um, trust officer in financial institutions for about 25 years. So I've been both practicing law and acting as a advisor to high net worth individuals and families and foundations, and so it's been a really interesting career. Now, our next guest on the show is from, from Italy. Your family is originally from Italy? Yes, my family is originally from a small village in Sicily uh, called Polizzi Generosa. And there's a lot of us here in the New York area. You speak Italian? Yes, I do. And I speak Spanish, too. 
I so, guess those two languages go together, but you know. Yeah, because I spoke Italian as a child, it became very it was very easy to learn Spanish. And I had very close friends growing up who were Spanish speakers. And so it it was it, it's really true that the younger you you learn a language, the better it is. But I'm a New York native. I grew up near Highland Park, Brooklyn. Do you know where that is? No. It's near the Brooklyn it's on the Brooklyn Queens border, right behind the what City used to be line the, the you... Interboro and the Jackie Robinson, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let me. You know, when you have some connection to the Civil War, and of course, a lot of our listeners are Civil War mm-hmm. fans. But can you tell us your through your family what connection you have to the Civil War? It's very interesting. It's a very interesting connection. <clears throat> my um, my late husband's fifth great grandfather was named Charles Francis Xavier Sanscrant. And he was from Michigan, and he was in the Michigan in, in in a division of the Michigan Infantry that was down in Atlanta during the Battle of Atlanta. And he actually the, he received the Congressional Medal of Honor for capturing the flag of a, a regiment, which it's disputed whether it was a Tennessee regiment or a Texas regiment. Because in the paperwork, it says Texas Regiment, but the folks, the Civil War enthusiasts who have been uh, studying, who studied the battle say it had to have been Tennessee. So apparently in hand-to-hand combat, he took the flag of the Tennessee Regiment, um, and he suffered a bayonet wound in the hand, um, but he did it by scaling by scaling some wall. Um, so he was he was quite quite the the hero. And the last name Sanskrant is it's French for without fear or fearless. So um, we really we, he really lived up to that name. Um, but he um, he also did the march, Sherman's march, and I think he did get a bout of heat stroke during that that time. So he had a really tough go. But we're very proud of that heritage. And every year on July 22nd, up in Buffalo, he's buried at the. Um, the German French cemetery up in Buffalo, they do uh, a ceremony for some of the family members who do remember will show up. But we think that the, the actual Medal of Honor is somewhere with a relative in California. So mm. we're very proud. <laughs> yeah, it should be. You know, like we have to check to see if. Uh... Texas or Tennessee? Texas or Tennessee. Yeah. But we think it's yeah. Tennessee. We're thinking it's, even though the You'd medal think there'd be some Texas, Texas regiments because John Bell Hood. Was commander of the Confederate forces, the Battle of Atlanta, and and he commanded the Texas Brigade up at Gettysburg. So I don't I, I don't know if there were any Texas regiments in Atlanta, but you'd think there'd be some. Was this the Battle for Atlanta or Chickamauga? Or I I think it was the Battle of Atlanta, and they called it the Fifth Texas. They said it was. I think the 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 the, the what is it called? The commendation on the on the plaque said for 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 the. Uh, for the Medal of Honor, did say the Fifth Texas, but the 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 language, the the word out there is that there was no Fifth Texas at that battle. That could be numbers got, you know, confused all the time. The, the you know the name of the regiments, the the number of the regiments, and so forth. So you know that that's very possible, and we don't have Ed Bars to ask anymore. I know. You know, we so have to find, we've had to have to find a new old. Like I said, we don't have Ed Bars to ask anymore, and of course Ed Bars used to have a photographic memory of he read every battlefield report from the Civil War when he was in the National Park Service for 50 years. So he was wounded in uh, Solomon Islands. He took three bullets 
and his left arm effectively lost, lost use of his left arm. His right arm, he had a bullet in his right shoulder, lost use of his shoulder. He couldn't move his shoulder above his, uh, you know, above his, uh, couldn't move his arm above his shoulder. And But he knew every, he could tell you whether the 5th Texas was there or the Tennessee or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should be able to find that out, though, and and look that up. A quick Google could do it, maybe. <laughs> Where where do you live right now? What neighborhood? I live in Middle Village, Queens, near Juniper Valley Park. Okay, which is, you know, close to one of our offices yes. there on, on Metropolitan Avenue. And if you want to come in and schedule an appointment, our Metropolitan Avenue office or any of the offices around the city, give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. We do not charge for the initial consultation. The first consultation is free if we're talking about estate planning and elder law. And again, estate planning is not always as easy as it seems. Like, hey, I've got a will. I'm not going to go through probate like the question we just answered. If you have a will and you die with assets in your name alone, those assets are going to go through probate. And ordinarily, we don't want to go through probate, especially now in the world of COVID, because to go through the court system right now takes forever. Everything takes forever. Even taking getting death certificates takes longer than it used to be. So if you want to plan things right, make it easy for your kids or your relatives, please come in and schedule an appointment with us at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. You know, welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Um, You know, each week, Kevin McCullough takes one of the questions emailed to our audience, and he asks it on his show, and we try to answer that question each week. And Kevin's got a new show right now, or at least he's hosting a new show, Monday through Fridays at 7 o'clock on 970 The Answer, talking about New York City and having different experts and whatever. I haven't heard the show yet. I think it's going to start pretty soon, or it has started by the time you hear this. Remember, the show was taped. But in any event, take it away, Kevin. 
Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week, I promise you, you're going to get a question answered by the man who has the answers. Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan uh, works very hard to make sure that your estate care and elder law issues are all the, you know, neatly tied up. And this question this week, Mike, comes from Lori. She says, my dad is a part-time resident in Florida, usually between January to June. Do we need separate powers of attorney for both Florida and New York? He lives in Middle Village. Uh, and he is uh, he is 50 years plus. What is what is your take on what uh, Lori's dad needs to do here? Well, he, you know, ordinarily, I would recommend that he do both a Florida PAV attorney and a New York PAV attorney. Although, to be honest with you, most Florida banks and whatever will take a New York PAV attorney because there's a law in New York that any bank that does business in New York must accept a New York PAV attorney. And that's virtually any bank in the world. But belt and suspenders and try to keep everything covered. I, I would do a Florida PAV attorney, and I would do a New York PAV attorney. And I'm just supposing uh, that this is an important question to ask as a follow-up. Uh, Connors and Sullivan can do powers of attorney in multiple states? Oh, yeah. PAV attorney is a form. It has to be notarized. It can be notarized in the person that, and, and, you know, dad comes in with his ID, and we can notarize his PAV attorney. So, you know, that's not a problem. All right. So, friends, if you're in Lori's situation, uh, call Connors and Sullivan today and make sure that your uh, dad is cared for. It's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. You can also send your questions to Mike Connors, askmikeconnors at gmail.com. He'll answer them here on uh, uh, with me on uh, Kevin McCullough Radio and Radio Night Live, but he'll also uh, answer them on his show. Uh, Ask the Lawyer, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 570 and FM 102.3, The Mission, and also Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens? Will my to them? assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors and Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors and Sullivan. Plan now for later. Thank you again, Kevin. Now, um, our next guest is Gabriel DeMonico, and he's been on the show before. In fact, one of the times before, he was with a priest from Ethiopia, you know, Father Deshoma, who was probably the tallest guest we've ever had on this show, at least as far as I, you know, I remember. Um, but in any event, uh, Gabe is, is president of an uh, organization, A Chance in Life. When I first met him, the organization was called Boys Town uh, of Italy, and basically, Boys Town of Italy was started by a Catholic priest in the Vatican, uh, Irish priest, no less, who was stationed there during World War II. And at the end of the war, he saw so many orphans out there, and, and they weren't accepting usual handouts or whatever that you might think. So, you know, Father Abington started this 
Boys Town of Italy, uh, where it, it was based on Father Flanagan's Boys Town to some extent. And, you know, basically it was self-governing for, for the orphans of, of World War II. And, of course, over the years it expanded quite a bit. And, of course, uh, first it was for the Italian orphans of World War II. Then later it was some of the refugees that were coming from Africa or whatever, and they would take care of those people. But right right now, a, a chance in life is expanding all over the world. Rose, did you know anything about uh, Boys Town of Italy or a chance in life? No, this is, um, I just really, I guess because I'm of the younger generation of my family, we I didn't really know about, um, I think in Italy it was called Il Villaggio at one point also. And it's been around for what I understand for since the post-war over 75 years. Um, and it, it's also expanded to other countries like Peru, Colombia, Bolivia, also so in, in Central and South America and in India, too. Um, but and I and now I understand it's going to be opening up in Staten Island. So that's that's interesting. Very different. It's going to be helping migrant children is what I understand. Yeah, and and you know, like the thing is, I I don't really know what's going on in Staten Island, but we do know over the years, you know, like Ethiopia. Father Showman talked about it, and and some of the stories about some of the kids there in Ethiopia, it's it's heartbreaking. I mean, a girl going to school might be raped and kidnapped, and so part of this was to give them a safe environment where they didn't have to travel through quote dangerous territory to go to school. And in India, you know, some of the people there can't easily get education and a chance in life was giving those kids a chance in education then they started going over all over latin america and we're going to be talking to gabe what they're going to be doing in uh in staten island and on april 8th <clears throat> there's going to be a seminar a webinar where we're going to be talking with the chance in life and if you tune into our program next week we'll give you more information about it where you can log on and so forth, but they do a great job. They've, you know, they they usually have great dinners, you know, in some beautiful places. But you know, because of COVID, we're kind of restricted right now. We do the best we can under the circumstances. So, needless to say, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to be talking to Gabe. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death, and it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. We have an old friend on the show, not that he's old, but he's been on the show more than a few times, Gabriel DeMonico of A Chance in Life. Welcome to Connor's Corner. Thank you, Michael, for having me here today. It's a pleasure to be back. Okay, so what is A Chance in Life? 
A Chance in Life is a 75-year-old organization founded initially in Italy after World War II when uh, there were many orphans on the streets of uh, Rome and in Italy in general. And an Irish priest decided to do something about it. So he created our organization in the United States to raise money to support these children. And he did it in a very peculiar way because at the beginning he noticed that most of the children that were in his institution would run away because for too long they'd been living on the streets and they didn't want adults to tell them what to do. So he had an idea. How about, he said to one of them, I created I create a town and I let you run it. So he created Boys and Girls Towns of Italy in um, several locations in Italy and he let the kids run the town. 75 years uh, later, that pedagogical approach is still so valid. Now, you're not just in Italy right now. No, in 2015... Our board asked to expand this program in other parts of the world. So we opened our first program in Ethiopia, where most of uh, the young children have to walk for over two hours on average to reach their high school. So we created villages around the high school so that they didn't have to walk for too long. And particularly girls were subject to abductions uh, and um, uh, it was uh, very hard for them. So most of them would, uh, would drop out uh, of school. Then we opened a program in India in several uh, villages in the jungle, particularly in Kerala and Tamil Nadu. At the moment there we have 12 boys and girls towns and then recently, very recently, a couple of years ago, we started um, to uh, offer programs. Uh, uh, we started offering programs in Latin America. So right now we are in Guatemala, Peru, Bolivia, Colombia, and Mexico. You're coming to Staten Island, though, now. We are. That's the uh, latest news. <laughs> Last Friday, we uh, purchased a building uh, which will be a youth uh, center, a drop in youth youth center and again we are going to use the same pedagogical approach it's called also a positive youth development or self-government we the children will be organized in cohorts and uh, they will experience solving problems together but in addition to that they will also get financial literacy programs computer classes help with their homework we'll try to uh, to help them stay out of trouble we believe that youth are not problems to be solved, but assets to be nurtured. So that will be the spirit, the approach of the Staten Island program. And why Staten Island? We did a feasibility study in New York City, and we noticed that the North Shore of Staten Island is in great need. Uh, one out of four students is actually detached or idle. Sooner or later, they'll drop out of school, and uh, in some cases, they will join gangs or they will get into drugs. So we decided to do something for our community there. Okay, now what's the impact of COVID on all, all your communities, whether in South America, Ethiopia, or India, or Italy? It was devastating. Normally, the children who are in our program don't have a family to support them. With COVID, schools were closed because of the government policies in most of the countries. So they had to be home, but they didn't have one. So they uh, spend time with some of their relatives, someone in their communities. So we um, mobilized our donors during COVID and we offered um, food packages, which was one of the most and crucial need uh, at the time and still is. 
because the people with whom the children were spending time couldn't put food on the table. So that was an emergency, uh, a priority during COVID. We were able to distribute uh, packages to 10,000 children around, around the world. Um, then the other priority was definitely education. Uh, some of the governments starting, uh, offering, uh, started offering um, remote learning, but our children who come from poor families, have a poor backgrounds or are orphans, don't have any uh, technological uh, device to connect and to participate in virtual classes. So we offer uh, them, we offer to them, you know, tablets and uh, internet cards so that they could connect to uh, the uh, the school and continue with uh, with education. We had one story I like to share of a sister in Guatemala. Uh, we had an important meeting scheduled with her, a Zoom meeting, one of the many during this time, and um, she didn't show up. And it was an important meeting because we had to um, discuss the support for the following year. But um, she wasn't there. So th the next day we called her and finally she picked up the phone and said, oh, I'm so sorry, but life is made of priorities. My kids... My girls here in the orphanage just told me that they had a Zoom meeting with their teacher and they couldn't miss it. So I had to give my cell phone to uh, the kids so that they could, uh, the girls, so they could attend the meeting. And so that's why I couldn't, I couldn't attend. And we have many stories like this. Now, when you were here, I think a couple of years ago, you had what was named Father to Show Me. And he told us some stories of how dangerous it was for the kids in Ethiopia to get to school. And, and can you just reprise some of those stories wow your memory serves you really well amazing so yes this is um correct uh father teshome was here he is uh, a catholic priest in in ethiopia just as a reminder the catholic church in ethiopia is not a church of number it represents only one percent or less of the um of the total population there is, you know, the vast majority are of the people are Orthodox or Muslims. But the Catholic Church in Ethiopia is a church of service. In fact, it's the second provider of services after the government in Ethiopia for clinics, hospitals, and schools. So uh, you, you, you recall well, you know, Father Teshome told us the story of the many children who have to walk for hours to reach their school. So in Ethiopia, elementary schools are uh, well, uh, uh, you know, are well spread out across the country. So it's easy for kids in elementary school uh, schools to attend their classes. But when it comes to high school, the situation changes. So on average, a child in Ethiopia has to walk for at least you know two hours to go to school so what happens by the time they are back home they are tired they have no electricity in most cases in their huts where they live and so they start failing in school their grades start failing so parents decide to keep particularly the young girls at home uh, to tend to their younger children siblings and um, and uh, they, they they are not allowed to go to school through our villages, we are changing that. We are allowing young girls to finish their high school and then go to university. In fact, we started in 2015 and we have the first group of high school girls who graduated and then went on to university and, and now they graduated from university. And I like to tell the story of one of them. Her name is Bethlehem. She was destined to abandon school. She was, uh, uh, the, her family had already decided that she could not continue 
because her grades were not good. Again, and the problem was not her uh, effort, it was the situation. So uh, she joined a chance in life when we first opened the program there. She graduated from high school and then studied mathematics at co in college. Now, she graduated last year. She decided to give back. So she said, I received so much from a program like a chance in life. And now I want to spend one year working in an orphanage and helping other children. So um, she went from the south in the Guraga area where she was born to the north to serve the orphans in a, in an institution there. Now that that's amazing. So how many lives have been touched by one person and then it gets multiplied? This is what we are aiming at. It's not just providing a chance in life, an opportunity life, but it's also uh, sharing this concept with our children. They we always tell them, remember, you received a chance in life. You were one of the lucky one. Remember one day when you will become a successful professional to uh, to return to give back, and and it's happening. It's uh, it's something that um, uh, it, it it's a multiplier effect, and we are so proud of it. Now, how do you choose the countries where you're going to operate a facility? Well, the first criteria is definitely criteria is definitely not the need, and uh, the partners available to implement a program like like ours. We work primarily with the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church, uh, as I mentioned before, is a church of service in many of the countries where we work. So you have nuns and priests who are available. And in many of these countries, vocations are still strong in Africa, in, in Ethiopia, uh, and then in India and in Latin America. So most of our partners at the moment are members of the Catholic Church. So they might have already an orphanage or an institution. So we partner with them we share what we have learned in these 75 years, our pedagogical approach, and we add value to their programs. And of course, we support them financially. So that has been um, the the way we, we select our, our partners. We select partners who, with our need, could deliver even more and could do uh, could amplify the, uh, the their service in the, in in their in their uh, environment. Um, also, I have to say that you know I travel a lot. So I like to meet our partners and discuss with them plans, uh, the future, their vision for the children they are, they are supporting. And so we go through a process of selection that way as well. Now, how many countries have you been to? Again, can you repeat again? Where where do you have facilities and, and what are what is each country like that you're talking about? So our initial program was in Italy. When our founder... Um, started working for uh, children, he created 50 boys and girls towns in Italy alone. Now only two are still there. One is in Rome called La Città dei Ragazzi and the other one in Civitavecchia, uh, La, La Repubblica dei Ragazzi, the boys and girls town and then the boys and girls republic. After that, we opened programs in Ethiopia, in India, Guatemala, Peru, uh, Colombia, Mexico uh, and Bolivia. And uh, now we're also on, on on Staten Island, so we will continue to um, to grow our, our programs. But we need the help of um, uh, our donors and benefactors. We receive uh, all our contributions for private uh, donations. We at the moment we don't receive any contributions from from the government in any way or from governmental agencies. So we're very proud of that. We are a network of volunteers working working together. 
And, uh, you know, the need is great. We hope to go in the Far East uh, soon uh, and open programs there. Of course, COVID has made our, uh, you know, delivery of program a little bit more difficult. But um, the good news is that in, except for Bolivia, in all of the countries where we work, schools are partially open again. So kids, little by little, are allowed to go to school where they can receive, in most cases, in most cases, the only meal of the day because the meal is delivered through our programs or the school system. So how can somebody find out more about your organization and, and where can they call you and talk about it? Definitely, you know, our website is a major hub for all the information and all the things that we are doing. So um, our website is uh, uh, www.org. Uh, chanceinlife.org and our phone number you can call our office at any time is 212-980-8770 we are very happy not only to share the stories of what we are achieving thanks to the contribution of donors like like you but also i personally love to accompany donors overseas to show the impact that we are making. Of course, we had to stop for the past year, but we are eager to continue and uh, to share uh, the um, the excitement and the, the progress that we are making for our children around the world. So if you're interested in traveling with us, let us know. And as soon as possible, we will do it together. You know, sometimes, I don't know to me, but a, a trip to Ethiopia or India doesn't sound that enticing. I don't know. Because not exactly you're staying in the best hotels. No, we are not. And you are right. And actually, before you go, there is a long list of uh, vaccinations that you have to uh, take. And, you know, sometimes that fact itself scares some of our of our donors. Then when we start telling them, um, you know, the uh, give advice on how to behave in a country like Ethiopia or India, even from the food point of view, you know, the level of hygiene is different from ours. And, you know, I, Ethiopians or Indians can eat anything there and then be fine. But we don't have the antibodies. We are not we, we are not as strong as they are. So, I, I you know, we tell them, don't only don't don't drink water unless it's bottled but you know you cannot even eat a salad because maybe that has been washed with contaminated water so there is a long list of things that they have to comply with if they want to come back home uh happy and without stomach aches (laughs) (laughs) can you give your organization the 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 website and the phone number and and do it twice for some of the older people like me absolutely i can't write too quickly so it's www.com achanceinlife.org again that's www.achanceinlife.org and our phone number is 212-980-8770 I repeat one more time 212-980-8770 Gabe DeMonico thank you for being on Connor's Corner Thank you, Michael. It's always a pleasure. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. 
Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. You know, we're going to have a little bit longer of a wrap-up of a show than we usually have because of different circumstances. Um, but but here's a question. Michael, if somebody has an email question about estate planning and elder law, where do they get us? If you want to look up our email, it's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. And just shoot us an email. Connors is, of course, spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. And if you just want to shoot us an email, either we will answer it in person via the email, or we might answer it on air. So, and if you're not comfortable with us answering it on air, then please just note that, and we will answer you privately. All right. Now, you know, people keep asking me, I mean, every practically every day at least one person asks me, hey, I loved your seminars. When are you going to do another set of seminars, my my?" neighbor next door would like to hear it and you know you haven't done one well i haven't we haven't done seminars for over a year and a half almost now well but, unfortunately okay. because of covid we can't actually do any in-person seminars but if you want to hear um dad's wisdom on estate planning and elder law then you just go to youtube.com and search connor's and sullivan video seminar and it should be the very first result that pops up that's connor's and sullivan video seminar and a lot of our interviews that we've done on the radio show are on YouTube, and I don't even know how to get there or what to see it. <laughs> and sometimes I'm very surprised in some cases why some people have very little interest in their interviews, and some people, you know, like, uh, I, you know, I was watching last night, I was watching Return of the Seven with Yule Brenner and Robert Fuller. And, you know, I just happened to see our YouTube interview on Robert Fuller came up on my phone for whatever reason and like 14,000 people listened to the interview with Robert Fuller and you know what I was watching that that movie last night and I'll tell you something he's really a very good actor now I mean obviously anybody who had was a regular on TV series for about 20 years and did maybe 20 or 30 films on top of that has to be a good actor I mean, there's no question about it. You don't work that long. Without but he was so cute. He was another one of those guys that I had a crush on. Clue Gulliger. I mean, these were, they they had personality. He had a lot of personality. And he was just a nice guy. And who's it just keeps telling us he's such a nice guy over and over? Patrick Wayne. Yeah. He's friends with the Waynes. And Anita. Robert Fuller. Ro yeah. Yeah, Ro Robert Fuller. Yeah. Yeah, they did one movie together with uh, Joel McRae, Patrick Wayne. And uh, Patrick Wayne says, yeah, it was, you know, he, he was on his way to do another movie, and, and Bobby Fuller was on his way to do another movie. Right. And they did a, a quick film with uh, Joel McRae. It's one of Joel McRae's last movies. I, th I think he made only two movies after Ride the High Country. Um, and. You know, that was one of this Joe McCray. I'm not talking about Bobby Fuller, Patrick Wayne. Patrick Wayne after that made Sinbad and, you know, the, all the other films that he made. Okay, Madre, do you want to talk about a little bit, you know, Ride the High Country? Some people might not have seen it. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you showed it to us as scouts yes, back in I the day? Do. Yes, I do. And for those of you, turn back to L.Q. Jones because we talked about it. Ride the High Country was a morality play. Right. The In scouting... Um, they're different badges and one of them was, you know, theater, film, and you needed to watch something that was a morality play, essentially, but it talks about heaven 
It talks about why we are here on earth. And when you meet your maker, what you hope, what you hope. Going to your house justified. Going to your house justified. What you hope, you hope that you have done in life what he would have wanted you to do. And I mean, Randolph Scott is one of the most lovable villains that you could ever possibly imagine. Randolph Scott was always a good villain, you know, like even like um, John Wayne in the spoilers. <laughs> he, you know, he's a great villain. And, you know, it depends how what what slant you take a look at it on uh, Jesse James, but he's the sheriff. And, you know, one, one of the things, in my opinion, and, and I know a lot of the people who worked with Tyrone Power loved him, but I think that when, when you see the scenes of Tyrone Power and Randolph Scott and Jesse James, Randolph Scott just <laughs> overpowers the scene. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, he's powerful. Now, I have a question. Okay, follow up on that. A little bit of a change of subject, but who was the best screen Jesse James? Uh-oh. I wasn't thinking about that one. That's that's hard to say. Uh, you, you got Tyrone Power. You got... Christopherson. I mean, I think Brad Pitt when was very good. When did Christopherson play Jesse James? He didn't, yeah. He didn't. Oh, Billy the Kid, oh my, yeah. y'all nope. are going to kill me. Yeah. He was, okay. okay. See, and he was too likable for Billy the Kid. I don't think Billy the Kid was a good person. That's, I think, the distinction. Oh, okay. Jesse James, I think, had his own code of honor, whereas Billy the Kid, I wouldn't, I wouldn't venture that with him. Okay, well, uh, here I've got now. Right, um, that, yeah. The best Jesse that, James film is um, the one with all the brothers. The Long Riders. Oh, that was very good. Oh, but I, I, would, I would. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, but argue. I think Tyrone Power was a more dominant personality than Stacy Keach. Not Stacy Keach, James Keach. I'm sorry. That's okay. And I'm, I'm you know, confusing and then those, things myself. Colin Farrell played him, but I don't know if that's that was that. What was the Brad Pitt one? The Brad Pitt one was very good. Yeah. Okay. The the Brad Pitt played the the Jesse James character in the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. And I think that was a very good turn in terms of, because you had this kind of haunted ex-Confederate and that, and I think that was truer to the character. Well, that's like, there was a very recent movie too with um, Billy the Kid that was very good. And Billy the Kid was always kind of fundamentally a coward in that movie. And I think that was not that far off from the truth. That's interesting that you, you say it, that. No, but uh, you remember that it was um, I don't. It was the the young guy played Billy the Kid. We'll have to uh, look that one up. No, I, no, no, no. I, I, oh my goodness. Well, you find that when I, I mean, Lou Wallace. Yeah. You know, we're going back and I mean, did he hate Billy the Kid? Did he just was he a thorn and just wanted to get rid of him? Uh, Lou Wallace was a good guy, so I can't That's imagine. What I'm, I'm standing by that too. That's what yeah. we're trying to figure out. But, I mean, unless anybody had the depth to write Ben-Hur, and, and this is one of the things we talked about when Ralph Peters was on the show a few years ago. Lou Wallace was a tough Civil War general. Um, got in some trouble with Grant down at Shiloh. Was stationed up here to the um, Washington area. He was getting telegraph reports that Confederates were moving on Washington. And he grabbed about 2,000 men, cripples, clerks, guys hanging around. And with the 2,000 men at the Battle of Monocacy, he held up the Confederate forces and saved Washington because the Confederates were going to strike Washington 
he saved him, and he held him off just long, long enough for regular federal troops to get into Washington. And of course, when the Confederates saw reg- regular federal troops, the flags of yep. whatever corps, I forget, they you know backed down or whatever. And they, they were in striking distance. They could have gotten into Washington. Lew Wallace helped save the country. Because who knows, if the Confederates had taken Washington, it may have been a maybe Lincoln would have lost the election and the war would have been lost. But you know what? We only got a few minutes left. Oh, no. No, talk, we don't. Talking no, about no, heroes. No, we're good. We're good. But we'll talk Dane about DeHaan. heroes. Dane DeHaan is the one that played. Oh, you're talking about uh, the young Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid. And, but the real star of that movie, I mean, there was a young kid who played the star, but the real star of that movie was Ethan Hawke playing Pat Garrett. Pat Garrett. Who oh, I think, I, didn't I think see Pat that Garrett is one of the real heroes of the West. Okay, but Beth, you want to talk about Peggy Eason and Father Paul? Oh, yeah. quickly, quickly, we'll come back. But Peggy Eason, I I just want to give a shout out. Thank you so much for um, your sentiments about Father Paul. She listened to our show last week, and I think she heard how you know father paul is suffering and she heard it and she sent a message and we love you peggy and thank you so much um father paul yes everybody need we, prayers and we're trying to work out some system that we can help rebuild his his clinic his small hospital there it's going to be hard but um we'll see what we can do we'll do whatever we can do Right, we're probably going to try to do a fundraiser. I don't know. Father Paul's schedule is impossible. You know, he's going to go back to the Middle East in a couple of months. That's but, what he says. But see, he's still in surgeries, having surgery done to him. But we're certainly going to work on it, and anybody, and, and we're also starting to work a brand new not-for-profit name for Father Paul's mission. And we'll have more news on that in, in the coming weeks. And hopefully, Father Paul will be on the show in another couple of weeks. But you know, if, if you have any donations for now, temporarily, send it to us at Connors and Sullivan, 7408 Fifth Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11209. 7408 Fifth Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11209. You can get it on the website. You can get it on the radio website. Do not make it out to Connors and Sullivan. Make no, it I out so. to the province of St. Mary. Yeah. Right. The it, province of St. Mary. That's, Father Paul's mission. Yep. We'll put, the, put that in the memo. And Paul is spelled P-A-W-E-L. And listen, he thanks, he truly appreciates it. When, when somebody sends him a you know, a $25 check, he, he truly appreciates it. And, you know, because every little bit counts. And here's a guy who's devoted his life to God and helping his fellow man. And the explosion in Lebanon on, on August 6th knocked him out of his world. You know, he's... When he spoke to you last week, he there were tears in his eyes, and I think Peggy heard that. So we love you, Father Paul. We love you, Peggy. Thank you so much. We got that and fundraiser. We, We're going to have to have Peggy Easton sing. You'll have to sing for us, Peggy. Oh, man, that'll get people there. And we love our listeners, too. All of you who have done everything to support Father Paul and his mission, all of you who have done everything to support us, we love you. Love you so much. As much as we possibly can. Two minutes, don't we? Uh, Another thing, some people are asking me right now, and changing the subject entirely, but some people ask me, hey, when are you on? Well, I don't know. We seem to be on like (laughs) four or five hours a week right now. I can't even keep track of it. But we are on every um, Sunday morning, because you may be listening to this show at an odd time. Sometimes they pay us in the middle of the night. Those of you who can't sleep, 
you know, welcome. I don't know if the show's good for insomnia or not. I guess it is. But we are on every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock on 570 The Mission, MCA, for those old people like me, WMCA. <laughs> and we're on on Sundays at 11 o'clock on 970 The Mission. The answer. On uh, The answer. I'm sorry. I'm getting mixed up. And then I, you know, I just got an email today, and the other times we're on. So, see, you know, catch us. Try three o'clock on Friday morning, and you might get us on there or something like that. And you know, as well, how many times we're on wherever. I hope you join us. But we are on those two times every week, and then we'll go from there. Now, next week, we're going to be talking to Jeff Richmond from uh, Greenwood Cemetery. And you know, years ago, we talked to him about our the project they were having about finding civil war veterans and marking their graves and so forth. And of course we also had the commemoration of the monument to Thomas Francis Marr. And of course we were proud to contribute our little piece of the action because we put one of our toy soldier dimoramas, uh, exhibited it. Yes. At the Greenwood cemetery, you know, with Thomas Marr leading the charge at Antietam. And again, if anybody's interested in, in the Civil War, you know, join us at the Civil War Roundtable. You know, and I know today's show, listen, we've been rambling all over the place. We've had fun, though. You know, it's it's sometimes you just want to talk to people. And, and God bless all of you people yeah. who listen to us. And thank you for all the help that you've given to all the charities. And you the know, prayers. Pray, oh, my You goodness. know, St. Jude's and Father Paul, we, we thank you all for what you're doing. Bye-bye, everybody. Stay safe and stay healthy. Hey, Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors & Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.